the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. All right, so we are going to start the second segment right now of our podcast, uh, Let Us Reason, and also the second segment of our live stream. And right now, Dr. J. Smith uh, will be joining me live. So we're waiting for him to make his arrival. You're going to see him walking behind me pretty soon here. And uh, he's not wearing his brown. Uh, oh, he is wearing, wearing his brown. brown. So How are you doing? So Dr. J. Smith, thank you so much, as always, for being here with us. Uh, I know you were listening to some of the things that I've been talking about. And really, I want to take this moment, brother, to just... Um, Show appreciation to our uh, partners, our supporters. Uh, you know, these are uh, amazing, amazing uh, members of our team. As you know, of course, you have your amazing team as well, out of whom sometimes you really uncover some scholars who've been doing work, uh, you know, in the same field that uh, you're passionate about. And uh, they end up being uh, some of the amazing researchers that uh, the Lord has blessed your ministry through. So why don't you tell us, brother, about this year? I mean, uh, what was so amazing uh, about this year when it comes to your work and your ministry from your perspective? Yeah, 2021. We're moving into 2022. Well, you saw yesterday when we did that live stream, uh, the live stream that we brought in the team that I've been working with. And this is the team that has been really come on by accident. I didn't uh, look for them. We weren't searching for them. Uh, much of what happened was I would just look at the comments. You get comments I don't censor my comments. I let people say what they want. They can bellyache. They can troll. But what's great is since we have been uh, moving into this historical research, and that's really have been since the pandemic hit. So we're talking about 2020, the pandemic hit, and suddenly everything started being shut down. Everybody was going home. They were now sitting in their homes. They were watching videos, and they were watching our, our broadcast because of the fact that they now had the time to do so. And Exponentially, we started getting an enormous audience. Uh, you saw the numbers. I saw the numbers uh, expand. And people were commenting because they had not seen this material. They had not come across a lot of the historical critique that you mentioned earlier. And really, what is the historical critique about? It's about three things. The book, the man, and the place. It's as simple as that. Looking at a book, looking at a man, looking at a place. The book would be, of course, the Quran. The man would be Muhammad in the place is Mecca. It used to be the book of the man, book of the man, book of the man. I've been saying that for years and years. I think I think I even I have it uh, copyrighted in England. That that phrase has been bought by my team there as a copyright for me. But I'm now added the third category, and it was that that we started doing with you and I started doing back in 2020. I think we even did a one or two episodes in 2019 leading up to this. What was happened in uh, in 2021 
is that we came across coins in 2020, and I came across Odon Lafontaine. Odon was the French character from Paris. Uh, smokes his pipe, sits there. He's been doing this since 2009, where he's been unpacking much of the material from Guillaume and Galez. These are the French scholars in this area that you and I have not heard about because we don't get the French material. Mm-hmm. And so we needed to hear about this. And I said, listen, Odon, unpack the French material for us. Now, I had already been working with Mel. Mel used to be on my team in Britain when I was there at Speaker's Corner. He used to come down, was always very quiet, never really said much, but he would always hang in the crowd. He would fly over from Dublin. He would hang in the crowd there, and then we would go out and have something to eat after, So as we always do. And that's where I got to know him, and that's where he would start plugging me. He said, what about this? What about this? Have you heard about this? And I said, this guy is good. This guy knows his material. This guy is serious. So that was way back in 2014, 2015. We're now in 2021, and you have now benefited from him because I've sent him on to you to make sure that you also get this on your channel. Well, Mel was the one that introduced me to Paul, Paul from London. Paul from London has been working on what we call the Jerusalem thesis, and he was the one that brought that. And you heard about him. You saw him uh, yesterday, the first time you've ever come across him. And he has come back with a whole other paradigm of saying, not only is it Petra we need to look at, which Dan Gibson has really introduced, we need to go even further back, close, and uh, even earlier, to Jerusalem itself. Because almost everything that we see in Islam has come out from an antecedent. And much of the antecedents, not all of it, but much of the antecedents, are actually can be found in Judaism and Jerusalem more specifically. At the same time that I got to know Mel, he then introduced me to a guy from the Middle East called Murad. And Murad, what a character. Isn't he, wasn't he delightful yesterday? Absolutely. And of course, uh, Dr. J is referring to the panel discussion that we had yesterday where we have the likes of Odin, Murad, um, you know, Paul, uh, we had Thomas and I haven't talked about Thomas yet because that's yeah. the one, the most explosive, yeah. probably the, the, the far more farthest reaching. But Murad, what I liked about him was he was the one that actually helped me like you have helped me with Arabic because you guys, this is your mother tongue. You've grown up with it. Murad's grown up with it. He understands it. Syriac, he understands, and he has been working on this for years, looking at what really the Arabic says and much of what the Muslims have not been telling us about the Arabic. Something as simple as the name Muhammad on the Dome of the Rock, on the coins, they have the, uh, the protocol, uh, uh, caliphal protocols uh, of Abdul Malik. You need to look at the Arabic at that time. You need mm-hmm. to know what they're saying. So that was Murad. He was terrific to, to do that. And um, I mean, one of his, what, just a thing that we did on the Dome of the Rock has been one of the most popular videos on my channel. And then we came across the German school. Now, I, I this Thomas fellow that you met for the first time yesterday, he, he was commenting, as was Odon Lafontaine commenting. These are commentators. Uh, and I recognize that these guys who are commenting actually had very good material, uh, really well thought through. They had done much more work than I had given credit for, and certainly more work than I had done in this area. So I got a hold of this, Thomas. I said, please email me. I'd like to know who you are. You really know your material. He was giving dates, names, places, events. This is the kind of thing you're looking for. You need to need dates, date, name, dates, place, and events. This is the historical uh, categories. And so we got in contact, and here I find out that this guy represents the Inada School, which is all the German scholars, people like Goldzer, or before the Inada was invented, but now people like Gerd Puin, Dr. Oleg, Dr. von Bothmer, people like Dr. Gunther Luling. Christoph Luxemburg, these are all names that you well know, but no one really has taken their German material and put it into English so we could understand it. Right. So I said to Thomas, I already have a guy who's doing this in French. 
Oden in LaFontaine, how about you doing this for us in German? Show us what the Germans are coming up with or have already found, but we in the English-speaking world haven't found yet. And so he came on only about a month ago. I've only had him for about a month, maybe a month and a half. And I have never seen the numbers I'm getting now. We're just exploding. And because the reason why is because the Germans have come across a whole new area of research called the Aramaic antecedents. Not just the Aramaic Quran, as what we're going through right now, but also Aramaic everything. We're, wait, wait to see what I'm going to introduce in January. I'm not going to, I don't want to give any, any, any away because in 2022, we're going to be expanding on this Aramaic antecedents. We're going to show you that much of Islam comes out of the Aramaic world. Now, that because of that, we, these guys and gals, because we're going to also be introducing some gals coming up, but there's another guy that I just want to say, uh, Lloyd De Jong, who comes out of South Africa, mm-hmm. who has been really a scholar on Sharia law and also on the Sira. He's yet to join the team. He'll be coming in January. When you go and look at these people and look at what they're saying, they have come up and they're the researchers, they're the thinkers, they're the ones who are actually unpacking, but they don't have the vehicles to get this out. You have the vehicle. I have the vehicle. It is your channel that over 103,000 subscribers. You're about approaching almost 10 million now views. I've got, I'm just about ready to go. Or in fact, I may be even over 60,000 by today. I've over got 10 and a half million views. Lord. We have a huge platform. You have a huge platform. I've got a huge platform. We can be mouthpiece for these guys because they don't have platforms like that. But yet their material needs to get out for the whole world. The whole world needs to hear this because it's that censorship that's going on. On academia, we talked about it in one of our episodes, the censorship that is shutting this down so the world can't hear it because the Muslims do not want the world to hear this. They don't want it, and they're putting all kinds of death threats on us. They're putting all kinds of shutting down. Academically, they're shutting it down. Uh, as far as funding, they're shutting it down. They're trying to get us off Twitter. They're trying to get it off YouTube. Look and see of all the strikes that people like David Wood's getting and mm-hmm. Hatun Tosh is getting. Strike right. after strike after strike. They're right. demonetizing. They've demonetized David Wood now. They're trying to do everything they can to shut us from critiquing, True. especially this, because once you start critiquing it, it, we don't even have to come to conclusions. We let the hearers come to their own conclusions. But we still need to be there. We need need this freedom, which means we also need to be funded, which means we need to keep on the air, which means we we who have the big platforms, you have a big platform, I've got a big platform. We are number five and six worldwide when it comes to Christian platforms that are confronting Islam. We, there's no one, you, I, and Hatun are the three that are doing the historical critique. David Wood is bigger than us. He's not doing the historical critique. We have an obligation to make sure that this gets out so the whole world hears it. That's why people need to make sure they keep funding you. People need to make sure that they keep funding Sierra International because it's Sierra International that is the vehicle where we get this. Where else do I do this but with you? I don't do this with anybody else. I don't have this kind of this kind of, uh, of expertise. I don't have this kind of technology. I just work out of my stu- my office in my home. That's it. I have no one else on my team. You have got a much bigger studio. You have got a much better um, uh, material to work with, but you also need to put out an awful lot more outlay to make sure that we get these not only these high-definition films, but also that they get out in the quality that only you are able to afford. That's why I'm here to help you out. I want to make sure that people fund what you're doing, that people undergird what you're doing, that people continue to give money to what you're doing. Because unless they do, we can't get this out to the world at the same level that we have been able to up to this time. So I'm turning to people who are watching you, make sure that you go to his PayPal, that you go to his Patreon button. You can see where the PayPal button is. You can see where the Patreon, and make sure you support him. 
We need to make sure that this gets out to the whole world because it does no good for us to keep it inside, to keep it in our studios, to keep it inside our uh, libraries and keep it inside our own little group of friends. We don't want what the Germans have done just by keeping it in German. We don't know what just the uh, French have done by keeping it in French. We want to make sure it gets out so the whole world hears it, and especially so the Muslims hear it. Because this is the one way that we're going to bring them home. Now, what we did yesterday, I introduced an object. Remember this object? This is called a sifter. Right. This is a sifter. Basically, what you and I are doing is we're taking the standard Islamic narrative. That means the traditions, everything that Islam is dependent on. And we're shoving it into this sifter, and we're finding out what comes out at the, at the bottom. So we're here. Let me just give you visually. Let me just show you. We're shoving the Quran into the sifter right here, right? And guess what we're finding? What's coming out the other end? Well, I guess you told me we're finding biblical material. It's the out. Bible that's coming out yeah. the other end. This, this is just visually. I'm just doing this right off the top of my head. When you look at that, when you sift through what the Quran is, when you sift through what this began as, what we're finding out, once you go through the sift, you can find the Bible. And what's left behind? Well, that's all the stuff I want to throw away. I just want to throw away what's left behind. But you and I are sifting it through. And we're actually, we're not really doing the main material. It's the guys that we saw yesterday. It's the Odons and the Mel's and the Paul's and, and the, uh, the Lloyd's and the Thomas's and everybody else. They are the ones that are actually sifting it through up and then we're just communicating what the result is. Our job is to communicate it. Our job is to make sure that the world hears about it. Our job is to, yes, I know the Quran fell to the ground. Maybe that's what's going to happen by the time we're finished. Because we are, in some ways, destroying the Quran. We're destroying Mecca and we're destroying Muhammad. Now, people say, well, that's, that's a bit strong to make those kind of words. Well, that's exactly what was attempted against Jesus Christ. They tried to do the same thing to Jesus. They tried to do the same thing to our Bible, did they not? They right. try to do the same thing to the book, The Man in the Place in Christianity, Jerusalem itself, saying he never died on the cross. And this has been going on for 200 years. They tried to destroy our book, our man, and our place. And what they did is actually they made it stronger because our book, our man, and our place are the only ones that have actually stood the test of time. And we're asking the same thing to be done of Islam, book, Islam's man, and Islam's place. You and me, what we're to do then is to make sure that that gets communicated. In layman's terminology, taking it from the difficult down to the easy, taking it from the academic material that a lot of people don't understand and bring it down to layman's terminology, which you and I can then understand and communicate it so the whole world that can get it. And also so that we can bring them home because we want to bring Muslims home more than anything else. Absolutely. We want to make sure that they come home to Jesus Christ. We want to make sure that we take them away from the Quran and bring them back to the Bible, away from Muhammad and bring them back to Jesus, away from Allah and bring them back to Yahweh. That's our job, but we need to make sure we get the support. Amen. Amen. And uh, thank you so much, of course, for... Um you know, your support and uh, really it means a lot to me. Uh, you, like you said, you have your own platform. Um, you could be doing this somewhere else, but uh, uh, you believe in the mission that we have. You believe in the platform that we have. And this partnership uh, has been proven really to be a successful partnership because we started this couple of years ago and uh, you've been noticing yourself, uh, the improvement and enhancement that has taken place. And also um, the passion that we both share. I mean, you are talking about something that uh, goes to the heart of the faith that I used to believe in. And these are tools that are helping me even strengthen my argument that uh, I am sharing with my Muslim people to come to Jesus. And at the end of the day, that's really the hope 
uh, that we have. So um, you want to just tell people about, uh, you know, some of the things that uh, are coming in the hopper next year without maybe sharing a whole lot of details. Is it still textual criticism? Is it still historical criticism? Are there other isms that you're working on? Yes, to all three. Yeah. Yes, to all three. I don't want to give it away because it's what we are about ready to share, what's coming out, is coming out of research that's going on right now. And I have to wait till 2022 to not only be so that I understand it and work through it and also unpack it myself. I have to be able to be able to, to know what it is before I can communicate it. We, we, are, we have a number of teams that are working on it. What we are now finding is uh, there's a whole lot more about the Quran that we haven't yet to, uh, uh, that we have yet not told the world. There's an awful lot about who Muhammad was. If there was a Muhammad, as far as I'm concerned, there was no Muhammad. There was no guy named Muhammad. Oh, there are many people called Muhammad. It was a very common name. Umar, 638, used the word Muhammad. Muawiyah in 661 used the word Muhammad. Uh, we do know also Abdul Malik. He put it right there on the Dome of the Rock. And of course, when you look and see that Muhammad, it's referring to everything. Not, not Muhammad from the Hejaz. That's Jesus Christ is the Muhammad. So you can see Muhammad is certainly a name that's very popular, but is it the Muhammad of the of the Hijaz? Absolutely not. There is no Muhammad. And I don't really care. I don't really want to find Muhammad because you're not going to find him. You'd be wasting your time. What I want to more, more look at is once we have cleared that away, and what we're going to do in 2022, we're going to introduce some that real damaging material on Mecca. Uh, you know what I'm talking about because we've just right. filmed it. That's right. This This stuff is really damaging. And then we're going to start introducing what we're now finding about, not just the Quran, but even the five different stages of the Hajj and many of the practices. They do come from somewhere. Hold on. 2022, all will be revealed. Yeah. Uh, someone is making a comment, just asking a question, I guess. Uh, you know, um, we, we sometimes tend to focus uh, on the Umayyad period and uh, uh, Abdul Malik. Um, do you have any plans to explore also the Abbasid period? I have to be careful because I don't really care diddly swat about the Abbasid period. Why? Because that is nothing more than a narrative that was has been imposed on everybody. So we can say the standard Islamic narrative probably originated at that time? It was The standard Islamic yeah. narrative is the Abbasid narrative. Right. There is nothing prior to 749 that I really con- that's after 749 that really concerns me per se in this argument. When we talk about the historical argument, everything went wrong after 749. So what and you're re- saying is you want to focus on the gap. Well, I not only want to focus on the gap. I want to see why it even became what it was. Going. I want to look before 7th century. I want to start with the 2nd century. Go to the 3rd, 4th, 5th. This is where Thomas is going to be coming out. He is actually, we've already recorded it. It's yet to come out. I haven't put it up on Fander Film. We've already started from the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. We're going to look and see how is it that Islam even became. What is it that created Islam as we know today? To understand that, you have to go right back to the, uh, the time of Jesus Christ and, and follow the evidence on the ground. Have we not said that all the time? Just Follow the evidence on the ground. How many times have I told these numismatists who have these coins, and they're trying to impose all this stuff onto the coins. I said, would you stop imposing them? Just read what's on the coin. Tell me what the coin is saying. We, we talked uh, a number of uh, uh, earlier about this Van Putin and who are trying to impose everything they can on the manuscripts that they're looking at, and they're trying to find that Ur Quran, that archetypal Quran. And I said, we just stop trying to impose and just yeah. read the text what it says. Let me ask you this. I mean, these are smart uh, scholars, uh, smart writers. Uh, you know, I read uh, their articles. 
And like you said uh, earlier when we were doing uh, one of the shows, I mean, you know, uh, they're not trying to uh, really lie uh, to the audience, but they bought into the standard Islamic narrative. So what do you think uh, making, you know, scholars in general uh, who are still buying into the standard Islamic narrative to, to at least resist looking at the other data? And t- writing about the other data and discussing the other data. I think you're asking something that we have to be careful how, well, how we answer. Um, I can understand why the Van Putins have to do what they're doing. I can understand why Haydn um, has to do Haydn Sitsky had to do what he does because look and see where he gets paid. Where does the money come from? Where do his salaries come from? All these guys who are in Germany. Look what happened in the 1970s with Gunther Luling uh, when he dared to ask the unquestionable. Uh, and he dared to ask, maybe the Quran has an antecedent to it that is nothing to do with Arabic. It has much more to do with Aramaic. Look what happened to his doctorate. Highest award that you can get for a doctorate. Should have been given a professorship. He was thrown out of the university to into obscurity. And for 30 years, he was thrown into obscurity. This is what happens even in Europe. This is in Germany. We're not talking about the Middle East now. We're not talking in like places like Pakistan or Indonesia. We're talking about Germany, of all places. In the 1970s, 50 years ago, this was already happening. This is why almost all of those who are my colleagues, and you know what I'm talking about in our group of scholars, how many scholars you know who have had to do two different doctorates? One doctorate they had to do to get past the tests, and the other one they had to write that came after they got their doctorate. Because that first doctorate would not be published and would not would not have been given its award. This has happened in Britain. I can give you three cases of three different doctoral theses that had they had to censor what they found so that they could get their doctorate. Once they wrote their doctorate, then they could write whatever they want. But in order to even get past academia, what in the world's going on? Well, I you can see this is a censorship that is happening at the academic level that needs to be stopped because there's no other area of academia where this is happening except in the Islamic world. And you can see why. Look and see what happened to Salman Rushdie. As soon as I say that name, Satanic Verses, when he came out with that book, right. look and see what happened. For 10 years, he was under house arrest. They wanted $10 million put on his head to have him killed. Look what happened to... Taslima Nasrin, she had to leave Bangladesh just because she dared to criticize the Meccan surahs. Look what happened to Fazlur Rahman. He was killed because he tried to say that there's a difference between the Meccan and the, and the Medinan surahs. Muslim after Muslim who has been killed for saying the same things we're saying right now. And this has now infected academia. This has infected the world. This is why there is such a fear to confront the narrative that we're confronting. And this is why what you're doing and what I'm doing is not only unique, it is very dangerous. But for the reason, for that reason, I want to make sure that we continue doing so. Because as Dr. Patricia Corona, when I went to her office before I did my debate in 1995, and I asked her for all these 10 points, and she said, do this, don't do this. Why aren't you do this? And I said, why aren't you doing this debate? She looked at me and she kind of laughed. She said, you know, Jay, I have a chair that I have to protect. I have an institution that I represent called Cambridge University. I already got death threats at Oxford University when I came out with Hagarism and Meccan Trade and the Rise of Islam, she said. And that was in 1987. I had to move to Cambridge University, and she says, I cannot do this because of that chair that I protect. But you, you, Jay, you can do this debate because you have only one person who you represent, and his name is Jesus Christ. And this was an atheist telling me this, an atheist telling me, I only have one person that I'm responsible to. And this was back in 1995, she told me. That was 26 years, oh, 27 years ago. 
Can you see? She got, she understood what I, what most people don't understand. Those of us who are Christians, we have a freedom that no one else has. And this is one reason why I want to say this to the atheists who are watching as well. I've had so many atheists come up to me. I had an atheist come up to me in 2017 when I left Speaker's Corner. The last person, he was crying. He had, he had tears in his eyes. I said, please don't leave. And I said, why not? I have to go back to the States. He said, because you're the first Christian we've met who is actually answering our question. You're asking, you're answering the question we're asking. Is it true? Just three words. Is it true? And he said, uh, this material that you're bringing, this historic material, this is stuff we can use. And I turned to him and says, don't use it. This is not for you because you have nothing to replace it with. You have no one that you're going to replace Muhammad with. You have nothing you're going to replace the Quran with. We do. We're the only ones that give, give them Jesus Christ. We're the only ones that can give them the gospel. We are the only ones that can bring him home. We are the only ones that have salvation. What do the atheists have? Yep. Nihilism. That's it. Yep. Hold your thoughts. We're going to wrap up this part and then pretty soon we'll come back for the final part, which is part three of our live stream. And uh, it will be the part that we're going to have some fun here with everyone else. So if you've been tuning in to this uh, podcast, Let Us Reason, next week you will be listening to part three. But if you are with us here in studio, please stay uh, here with us for a few more seconds as we wrap this part. This is Alpadi. Thank you and God bless. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.